Hey guys, welcome to Talk of Fame. If you love to laugh, and if you don't, I just feel sorry for you, then you're going to love this episode because I'm talking to hilarious stand-up comedian Tom Takar. Tom's appeared on Conan and Comedy Central and was the host of Comedy Central's official stand-up podcast. Now, in this episode, Tom tells me about the time a world-famous movie star had sex in the back alley of a small-town comedy club, which celebrity he regrets not taunting when they cross paths, and which blonde bombshell he could not stop focusing on when she was in the crowd during one of his sets. We also exchange embarrassing tales of times we made fools of ourselves in front of comedians we idolize, and we have a frank discussion about cancel culture, a topic Tom has pretty strong opinions about. So take your seats. The show is about to start. And don't worry, at this comedy club, there's no two drink minimum. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to the stage, Tom Takar. What's up, Tom? How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. We're, uh, we're happy to have you on the show. You're officially our first stand-up comedian. Uh, we had James Murray from Practical Jokers, some funny people, but officially you're you're the, uh, I don't want to call you the opening act. You're the headliner uh, of... Uh, I'm of headlining, st- but I'm first. Yeah. You're headlining, but you're first. We're creating a whole I'm new category. Headliner. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, before we, we kind of get into it, a piece of information that I just found out about you that I have to ask you about... Is your real name Tom Brady? That is correct. My legal name is Tom Brady. And I obviously had to change it because that was becoming a huge issue in my career. So my name is Tom Takar now. That was my father's name is Takar. My parents were never married and my mom gave me her ex-husband's last name. And so his name was Tom Brady too. And it just became a nightmare for me on stage. So I was going on the road and they'd go, give it up for your next comedian, Tom Brady. And people would be like, oh, boo, we hate Tom Brady. We're in Kansas City or whatever. Like it's, it was so dumb. Well, I was going to say like, you must have killed in Massachusetts. But then I'm like, no, because at the second they found out it wasn't really the Tom Brady, yeah. you got it booed just the same. Yeah. So no one was ever happy about it. I mean, do you mind if I if I post this as my interview with Tom Brady? I uh, would definitely prefer you didn't. But hey, <laughs> I agreed to do it. And so you can do whatever you need. To no, no, no. Tom Takar <laughs> Tom Takar is plenty big. I'm a big fan of yours. Your stand up is hilarious. I've seen you on, on Conan and Comedy Central. And what I want to ask you is kind of right off the bat, you know, as I said, we talked to James Murray and he had to make some adjustments when it came to how they'd film in Practical Jokers during yeah. COVID. Uh, what has stand-up been like for you during COVID and have you gotten back into the routine? Are you, are you back on stage? Dude, it was so weird during this time and like everybody's job got pretty messed up but stand-up was one that is, was on the bottom of the totem pole as far as essential and even as things started to open back up, stand-up was like targeted in, in New York as something that wasn't allowed to happen. So it was weird for a while. Now it's back, but I did a I did a lot of uh, Zoom comedy. I did a lot of outdoor in the park, just screaming like a maniac stuff. <laughs> like where a comedy club just picks a tree and is like, "All right, that's the club now." And you're like, uh, "What?" And the the green room is now you just stand behind the tree. Right. And you had to get creative. What was it like zooming your comedy? See, I'm a Zoom defender to some extent because even though it sucked, it's not nearly as good as real stand-up, obviously, but it was better than nothing. And I still am doing Zoom sets because now what you can do, and it's pretty slick, is you can I can go, like I'm going to the Comedy Cellar tonight in the stand in New York, and then I can do a Zoom set on my way there. Mm. Or like I can pop outside and do a quick Zoom spot. And sometimes those pay more money and you're like, okay, I just made an extra 50 bucks while I was waiting for my other spot. So if you're crafty, you can make it work. The thing I love the most about it is if you have a bad set, 
you just close your laptop and turn on your PS5 and it's over. You don't have to travel five hours to it. Yep. It's over. But you could do it with no pants on. You know, they always say picture the audience in their underwear. You can really flip it on its head and you could exactly. be in your underwear exactly. during the Zoom. You know, it's funny. I'm not always saying I'm a hypochondriac, but I definitely have anxieties when it comes to health. Okay. Yeah. And I think maybe a lot of comedians tend to be a little neurotic, paranoid. So I don't know if you found this or not, or, or if this is just me. During COVID, I have been so afraid to be funny in front of people because mm -hmm. laughing is the number one way to spread <laughs> COVID. And so yeah. I literally find myself around people holding back a joke, which it's like holding in a sneeze. If you're a funny person, it's so hard, but I don't want people laughing in my face. And so I had this idea that comedians on stage, you're basically like standing in front of a firing squad. You know, you yeah. are the people that are in the most danger. And then comedians will start wearing who got COVID as a badge of honor. Like, dude, yeah. I, my set was so good last night. I got COVID. Yeah. That yeah, guy killed funny. last week, literally <laughs> killed. Do you ever think about that? I, I'm fully vaccinated. So mm -hmm. once that happened, I was like, I feel invincible. But yeah. before I got vaccinated, I didn't do any, I wasn't doing indoor shows because I, I didn't want there to even be a risk at all. But, and then outdoor, I kind of was like, all right, the CDC says we're fine. And like with six feet outside or whatever, but I never, I never think about that. If anything, I think the other way, because I'm, I am loud on stage sometimes. Right. And uh, I'm worried about me spitting at them where I'm like, oh shit, I hope <laughs> I'm not getting this far enough out that they're worried. But, and another thing is a lot of this places I'm going up, they have like a guard, they have mm. like a plexiglass in front of you. So the thing I hate about the plexiglass though, you can see your reflection in the plexiglass and nothing worse than a joke, not quite hitting how you went. And you just look at your face like as, as, it, <laughs> as it doesn't go well. You're like, oh God, what am I doing? That's so funny. I've done uh, some appearances on like Facebook live, the show called Suki and Scott, and it's just two people and I'll tell jokes and if there's, and, and they're usually laughing and they like the jokes. But if there's one moment where one of them has a text and one of them is looking somewhere else, you only have two people. So yeah. if, if they both happen to not look and you just hit the punchline and you're waiting and then there's just nothing there, you're like, uh, but uh, and you go on to the next joke. Um, not to harp on COVID too much, but are you doing COVID humor or are you feeling I never know? Let's make light of the situation so we can move on together. Or is it, well, people have died of this and this might not be okay to make fun of. What's your take on that? I don't have anything like that. Like, I don't, I don't think like that. I don't think, oh, people died of it. So we can't talk of it. I talk most of the stuff I talk about is like my father dying, my stepdad being a piece of shit. And like, <laughs> so I don't have that where I, so yeah, I do make jokes about it. And cause it's so relevant i think i think it's like you can't avoid it i was trying to write jokes this whole time that were about other stuff and i i've got i've written some things about it but it's so hard and you're on your feet and talking about what's real to you so it's like i talk about the vaccine i talk about how weird it is to be inside without a mask right all that stuff like yeah, yeah, but i don't yeah. get into like i wouldn't make fun of like people getting covid but i right. what's the deal with the people who die of covid that wouldn't be a good <laughs> yeah not not great let me ask you we this is talk of fame we talk about meeting celebrities we talk about cool encounters people have had but you know you're a name you're a face people know you i've seen you on television do you get recognized have you ever had any wild crazy fan encounters 
I just got recognized when I was uh, I was at Walgreens. I always, whenever I get recognized by somebody, I just assume it's a comic. And so then I'll ask them, I'll say, where are you going up today? They're like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm not a comedian. <laughs> but uh, I was at Walgreens and I had this chaotic situation where I was trying to carry too many things. I had a box of seltzer, like cans of seltzers. One thing fell out of my arms and then that caused everything else to fall out. And then the box of seltzers just popped open and they all rolled on the floor. And this woman was trying to help me and the cans are like falling onto her. And then I get to the register and the guy goes, Hey, I loved your Conan, man. And I was like, Oh, Oh, really? And then one time when me and uh, my fiance started dating, we went to uh, this like dance club and two people in the same night were like, Hey, they were fans or whatever. And that doesn't happen to me that often to where It made her friends think I was the coolest guy ever, which is awesome. That's so cool, dude. <laughs> That's great. You know, I wouldn't want people following me all the time, but yeah. you're kind of just having a rough day. You're in front of somebody you and, and someone goes, hey, I'm a big fan. It's got to be a good ego boost. It's got to feel good. Yes. Yeah. Or like I've had a couple of times where I'm just getting off the train and somebody's like, you love your stuff. Like they don't want to say anything until right as I'm leaving. So yes, kind of yes. Yes. I love that because I'm like, okay, go. we don't have to have like a conversation or anything. I've only had a couple of weirdos. Like I did NACA, which is the college. It's where they book all the college acts for the year. Basically, you go and perform. It's a showcase. You perform like 10 minutes and then all these college kids come to your like little booth and book you. And I did it. And there was this weird kid who just would not leave me alone for like three days. Every time he'd just come up to my booth and just hang near me. And he, I don't remember what his school was, but I was like, well, at least I'm going to be for sure performing at that school because this kid won't leave me alone. Right. And then I never got a booking from it. I was so pissed, but he, he just lingered around me, not saying a lot, just wanted to be close to me. And I was like, <laughs> and I, it's like a weird environment where you're like, I don't know what I, am I supposed to like tell somebody this is happening? <laughs> Stranger danger. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this, because this has happened to me. The comedy world, for people that are not in it, there's a lot of hanging out at comedy clubs. You go out for the night, you go from one club to the other, and then you're hanging. And when you're trying to make it, you have this delicate, this fine line of wanting to get to know people and meet people. You want someone to think you're funny. You want to interject with a funny line so that they take notice, but you don't want to annoy them. And there's clicks. I know that I've played it cool sometimes. It's worked out well and I've forged relationships. Yeah. But I've also definitely done things that I still regret. How did I say that? I don't know him. I don't, I'm not that friendly with him. Have you ever had any moments that you'd be willing to admit to where there was like a big comedian where you were coming up and you tried to get to know and you just made an ass out of yourself? Yes, uh, I definitely do. Because I've been doing this for probably like 11, 12 years now. I don't even I've lost track of time. But when I was 21, I was an idiot and they would let me open for people who were coming through my hometown club because I, I worked my way up through the open mic system, all that right. stuff. One of my favorite comics of all time was Todd Glass. Mm. And me and my buddies had a podcast that sucked and uh, it was called nights of infinite resignation and uh radio noir because my friend thought that would be a really cool name that people would cling on to no one listened to this podcast ever it rolls and, off the tongue it rolls yeah, right off the tongue <laughs> sucks. but they were like we got todd glass to do the podcast i couldn't believe it but it was at the time like my girlfriend wanted to get drunk that night and she was like it's my big night 
I decided I'm getting drunk tonight. So it was just randomly. She decided she wanted her friends to all get drunk that night. It wasn't her birthday or anything. But she was like, if you don't do this, it's going to really fuck my night up. But I was like, well, I have this podcast, but it doesn't start until like midnight because we got to wait for Todd to get done with shows. Right. And then I get hammered. I think I threw up in the bathroom during Todd's set. Then we do the podcast and I just like kept bombing. And then I was like, I'm sorry, I'm really drunk. And I just kept apologizing. And every time, and now Todd and I are friends. Whenever I would see him for a while, he'd be like, oh, sorry, I'm so drunk. And he'd just make fun <laughs> of that I did that. And then Todd Barry, I had a weird thing with where I was a huge Todd Barry fan growing up. Hmm. And I saw him in Bloomington, Indiana, where I'm from. And I worked at a hospital and he came to that hospital the next day, which was weird. And I, it was one of those things where you see somebody out of context and I waved at him and then he was like, what? And then I went up and I was like, Hey, sorry, I'm like a fan. And I, I just recognize you. And then I asked him what he was at the hospital for, which you're not supposed to do like a rule. (laughs) And he like got really weird. And he was like, well, uh," and then I was like, Oh man, I'm so sorry. I'm not supposed to ask you stuff like that. And then I just, I just, left i just just walked i just walked away i didn't wait for him to say anything i was so embarrassed that i just walked away yeah i'm trying to think of like really embarrassing ones where i remember jim jeffries i made a joke and he just goes ha ha and i was like oh Oh, crushes you that crushes you dude no i i've done things where i've said to someone like oh that was such a funny joke you know what i thought you were gonna say and then like done my joke and i'm like oh did i really just tell a professional comedian like the joke that i think they should have like what because i went through a phase where i was reading all these books about like go get it ask make your opportunities happen like you know you gotta just be persistent and it's okay to be annoying so i was going up to like everybody like hey man you want to have coffee they're like who are you you know what i mean and i look back now and i'm like dude you've got like way too much energy (laughs) i think in my mind this is the stupid part in my mind they still remember me and think to themselves Mm -hmm. remember that guy 10 years ago who said this to you at the comedy club meanwhile I read this book once and the guy said it's the rule about, I think he called it the 1840 60 rule. When you're 18, you care what everybody thinks about you. When you're 40, you stop caring what everyone thinks about you. When you're 60, you realize no one's been thinking about you this whole time. Oh, I love so, that. I do think I'm trying to think of times that I've like blown it. And I think I'm pretty lucky. Like I've met like Ray Romano and like Judd Apatow and mm. like, there's just so many celebrities that the, that come through the comedy cellar that you just end up sitting one-on-one with. Yeah. So often because you're waiting to go up or whatever. And then I, I think I've done a pretty good job at uh, keeping my mouth shut in the right place and just trying to like slightly compliment. I, I feel like I fucked up with Bill Burr a little bit because I told him that I was a fan of his cartoon, which I was, uh-huh. but I did. I, it's not one that I'm caught up on. And I was like, is it, I asked him if it's still going and he got really upset. He didn't get upset at me. He was just like, see, they don't fucking market it you like the show. You don't, you haven't even seen the latest season or whatever. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> I shouldn't have said, I shouldn't have said anything. Dude, Bill Burr is like my favorite. And, and I, I wanted to meet him, but I try, I've told the story before. I tried not to take the fan approach. I was at the stand. I think it was after the Patrice O'Neill show maybe that he did. And I went up to him and I, and he was talking to some girls that I, that I knew. And I decided to take like the regular guy approach. And I was like, Hey Bill, how long are you in town? And he just turns around and he goes, who the F are you? <laughs> And I was like, oh, and everyone laughs at me. And he goes, what are you, an effing cop? And I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I I didn't see it coming. I don't think I did anything wrong. But 
And then I just totally played like the, uh, I'm just a fan. Like I totally went tail between my legs. Yeah, and then he yeah. saw that I was like crushed and these girls are laughing at me. He's like, and he's like, nah, nah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going home tomorrow or whatever. And I was like, okay. And I just walked away. I'm like, that was my one and only Bill Burr. That's so funny. <laughs> and you know, to him, he's like, just knows there's a line he can get in. And maybe you annoyed him a little bit by like, he was in the middle of something. And then he's yeah. like, oh, I have to talk to everybody. Cause there are times where people just interjecting your shit while you're like, in the middle of something or like somebody like bill who he's a, he doesn't live here so it's like when he's seeing people he's probably like oh i don't get to see these people that often I'm right get every moment and and then people are uh, that i don't know or bother me but oh man it i've was... been there for sure and i'm sure he immediately was like what am i doing i'm just trying to get a laugh like yeah <laughs> well he got he got a few laughs and it's like, <laughs> i shrunk up and these girls were cracking up at me that's <laughs> that's so funny that's a that's a great one i just remembered one because there's those times where you're just such a fan of somebody and you just need them to know and you can't yes. help yourself this was like early on and uh i was doing well at this point i hadn't been on tv or anything and i, I lived in chicago i think but I got to do this festival with Tony Woods mm. and Tony Woods is like one of my favorite comics of all time. When I had the comedy central podcast, I think I played him on the first, one of the first episodes for sure, because right. his half hour meant so much to me as a kid. And we're at this festival. It's a fun festival, but it's like a beer festival slash comedy. It's in Cincinnati. It's super fun. It's called Bruhaha. It's daytime. And we're like just around a group of people. And I have a friend who's talking to Tony. So I see my in. I'm like, oh, I, my buddy is talking to him. So I'll just join in. I was like, sure. Hey, Tony. I, I was like, I'm Tom. I'm on the festival too. And I, I just got to tell you, you're one of my favorite comedies of all time. You're special. Like it meant a lot to me as a kid. And he's like, cool, man. He, he has like a very soft voice. He's one of the sweetest guys in the world, but he's also like, he just he just didn't have time for it. He was just like, cool, man. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I, what am I expecting to get out of this? But later that night, add a bunch of booze to the story where we're both very drunk and we're at this bar and it's me and him and uh, we're both single boys at this time. And there's two girls talking to us. I'm more interested in talking to him. That's the, the comedy nerd I am. I was like, all right, get out of my face. I'm trying to talk to Tony Woods. And we were talking about comedy a little bit. It wasn't out of nowhere, but I was like, dude, I know I said something earlier. I just, I got to tell you, like your half hour, like really got me through a lot as a kid. Like I didn't come with the best home and like comedy meant everything to me and your special specifically. Like I still remember every bit. I would tell it to my friends at school. It meant so much to me. Right. He goes to the girl that is sitting next to me. And he goes, did you hear what he just said? And then she goes, what? And he whispers in her ear and she goes, he didn't say that. And then she goes, did you say that me and him should hook up? <laughs> <laughs> I just poured my heart out to him and he just he was like, he's trying to so use it to get trying to hook up, man. But now I feel like people that's going to be you. That might be you already, or that might be you soon. And, and there are people who are going to come up to you and then it's going to be, it's this kind of the circle of life. I feel like See, I'm so bad about this stuff where when somebody wants to talk to me and is like a fan or whatever, I, end up being like yeah what's up man like i'm like way too eager to talk to them now because but isn't that sad that like you have to play it cool or like you lose your power like it's just true yeah, it's something yeah, something yeah. about human nature that when someone is pulled back or reserve or a little bit of a dick you're like i really want to be near that person you know what i mean it's yeah it's a weird thing what's the craziest celebrity encounter that you've ever had like something that happened that you were just like 
I cannot believe I'm seeing this or I got to text my friends immediately. Is there anything that comes to mind like that? The thing with the seller existing is like so many celebrities just end up there. Right. I will tell you this that I thought was a little wacky and it's not, there's no crazy ending to the story. It was just weird. I did a show uh, a few nights ago where there was, I think 12 people in the crowd and one of those people was Heather Graham. Heather Graham. Weird. Yeah, from Austin Powers. Oh, of course. Yeah. Bowfinger was just on the other night. And it's one of those where the whole time you're up, you're like, oh, no, what's Heather Graham think of my set? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is the ones that I can think of, like, readily are comedians who I don't want because the stories are, like, a little fucked up. But could you tell a story and just leave out the name of the major comedian? Yeah. Why don't we we try one of those? Okay. So I'll try to keep it vague, but there was a comic in town. He was like recording an album. So his mom was with him and staying at his hotel. It was like a fun show. He like killed or whatever. It was great. And then afterwards, there was this girl hanging out with him at the bar and like, we're all drinking shots all night and stuff. He's buying everybody rounds of shots and everybody's getting so drunk. And then because his mom was staying in his hotel room, he was all stressed out because he was like, I really want to hook up with this girl. And then he just he just went out to the alley and did it. <laughs> I was like, would not believe it. I mean, this guy was very famous and just going at it with some lady. What I don't know is how do you go back to your mother at the bar after that? Yeah. How do you like come back? Like I couldn't look my mother in the eye after after doing something like that. I know. That's- and like you're a movie star. Like it's wow. crazy to think like you're just in an alley and was he married i would have thought no 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 okay i would have thought like uh at least i don't think so but i would have thought like if you're that big of a celebrity just get another hotel room like what are you doing but you know what people always rip like i don't know you're still a dude you still like whenever there's a celebrity on like a dating app or people like why are you doing this but like at the end of the day you know what that comes down to celebrities they're just like us right yeah (laughs) yeah except we don't usually have women that want to do with us in a back alley (laughs) let me ask you who left you the most awestruck oddly enough terry cruz like really shook me up for some reason and maybe it's just that he's so big just the pecs was it just the pecs moving back and forth i remember being like god i just met terry cruz that's wild and he was it was when i was back in my radio days right and he was such a good guest and i like that one got me athletes are big for me where it's like i got a comment on one of my posts on instagram from reggie miller and reggie Mm -hmm. miller's my biggest hero of all time like i'm from indiana indiana sure i was wearing a reggie miller shirt and that's what he commented on (laughs) and that even just seeing it even though it wasn't an in-person encounter i was shaking i was like oh my god i can't believe i just had any kind of communication with Reggie Miller. Isn't that the Um, great thing about Twitter as toxic and as 99% of the time, I can't stand it. That feeling of getting to connect with somebody or, or even though it's such stupid, superficial validation. Right. But when I was first starting on Twitter, I wrote a joke here. This will date it during the Sochi Olympics when uh, Russia was banning gay people or whatever. And then the sound of music live with Carrie Underwood was on like NBC. These were the two big stories at the time. And I made a joke that in the Russian version of The Sound of Music, the father's name is just Org because his name is Georg. Mm -hmm. And Seth MacFarlane retweeted me. So like 5 million people. And I was like super into Family Guy at the time. I had like, you know, 50 followers. That kept me happy. Like that erased my life's problems for like three weeks. It's so stupid, but it makes you feel good, you know? Yeah. Oh, you know what the other one is? I got to open for Norm MacDonald for a week at Uh, Caroline's. He's maybe my favorite living comic. 
he's my favorite person to watch. It's like that's awesome, dude. Somebody that you idolize like that, and then you're opening for them. That's got to be like a moment of just pinching yourself. Like, were you able to perform normal? Like when you were up there, did you own it? Like I'm legit and do well, or were you just like so focused on the norm part of it? You know, I was. I felt good. I mm. I was in. That was like. It's funny to think about how much we do stand up in New York, and like I was just locked in at that time, mm. and it's like sold out every show at Caroline's, which holds like 400 people. So you get used to doing shows and bars for four people here. And so when you have a full crowd, you're like, oh, this is the easiest thing in the world because these people are already hyped up that they're even here. I was less worried about performing and more about the second I get off stage, like hanging out in the green room, not annoying him. (laughs) But he was never like bothered by anything. He was just funny. He would just tell stories in the green room that were incredible. And one of the funniest people I've ever met. The Norm stories are so legendary on Conan with the moth joke and all these different things. We just had Adam Rank, who's an NFL analyst, and he used to do stand up. And his impersonation of Norm MacDonald is one of the best impersonations of anyone I've ever heard in my life. It's so funny. But uh, I just watched all of Norm's OJ jokes in a compilation like yes, a couple days I ago. I watched you know? that. It's so good. Oh my God. It's uh, so good. He's one of the few comics that I do that with where I'll just, I'll just go down a rabbit hole with him. Yep. I, love, I love it. Who's uh, Who comes to mind when I say someone that's just super cool? I was blown away by how cool Ray Romano was. Like yeah. He's so funny and so famous and still just very nice you know who was surprising though i always say this if a comic presents as like an asshole on stage Mm. if they're nice at all in person you're like oh that's the nicest person in the world and if they (laughs) present as nice on stage and they're a little bit of a diva you're like that's the biggest piece of shit i've ever met in my life right 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 and so when i met mark maron i was like terrified he was going to be really mean and like surly to me or something he could not have been nicer he was so cool and like that's awesome. Hung out all day and like just was super fun to talk to. You know, it was really nice. And it's like one of those where I'm curious. Some people are so nice that you're like, I don't believe you. I don't, I can't tell <laughs> if you really are this nice. But Neil Patrick Harris was okay. so nice. He did, a, um, when I was on the radio, it's funny. I do a bit that I pitched to him on radio. I pitched this bit to him. Just I was telling a story and he riffed with me about it. And I was like, this is crazy. Neil Patrick Harris is like talking about corn shit, you know, like <laughs> it, it, it's funny to say that because Seth Herzog, who does a great show at the Slipper Room like every single week, he's had like SNL cast members and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Taron Killam who was yeah. talking about being on set somewhere, maybe in a movie with Tom Cruise. And he was talking about how Tom Cruise was so nice and taking such interest in every little thing that Killam's like, it just has to be an act. Like you can't yeah. be that. But I guess when you're Tom Cruise, yeah, if you're not that nice, someone's going to be like, he didn't ask me about my mother's cat. And like, he's got that bad press from that, like him blowing up about the professional thing on the set or whatever. So maybe it's like, he's, he's the, the type COVID of person thing. who's like all in on uh, being the nicest guy until he snaps. Yeah. You know, it's funny how Christian Bale sort of recovered. Cause that was the worst rant I've ever heard in my life. But again, Christian Bale, one of those people presents as an asshole. You're like, mm. yeah, that's an asshole. Nobody thought that he was a nice guy. So, <laughs> right. yeah, so it's OK. That's what we're getting with him. Whereas if somebody is like, I'm a nice guy all the time. And then you see the, their dark side. You're like, I knew it. And that's then, funny, dude. Right. Russell Crowe throws a phone at you. You're like, yeah, yep. it's Russell Crowe. Tom yep. Hanks throws a phone at you. You're like canceled. <laughs> yep. 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 You said SNL cast members. It reminded when you said who somebody I think of is just very nice and cool. Yeah. Well, Alyssa Vias and yours may be the nicest person. 
person I've ever met. And oh, just wow. Late to be around. And I've like, seen her at the stand so a few funny. times. She's great. She's great. Super talented. Super talented. Oh yeah. Multi, multi talented. Did you ever encounter someone who was a jerk that you're willing to talk about on the air as being a jerk? Oof. That is a good question because willing to is a right stuff where it's like I definitely have seen comics who are supposed to be nice being huge divas and like frankly just rude but I can't name the names right just, it doesn't be know, a it could be an athlete could be just a celebrity comedy, anybody I mean John Mellencamp has a really bad reputation in my hometown for like not being a cool celebrity and like famously there's a story my I think my sister told me the story about him going to this place called shoe carnival in Indiana okay Okay. And it's a trashy shoe store. It sucks. Oh, it sounded like a, some sort of a convention for people with a foot fetish or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. These shoe carnies. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pop a quarter of them, you'll see a toe. No, this was uh, this is just a shitty shoe place. And he supposedly, allegedly asked for a pair of shoes. And they were like, I'm sorry, we don't have that size. And he said, do you know who I am? Oh, Which that's is the like worst. That's a the shitty worst. shoe store. And it's like, this is Bloomington, Indiana. They're not going to have like a celebrity closet or whatever that's what they got on the floor man <laughs> who's arrest video uh like a dui reese witherspoon do you know who i am i think that's always uh, the worst because as as the non-celebrity public yeah. that's the line that just kills you the most you know what i mean yep. you think you're better than me but again <laughs> as a celebrity maybe it's just what you think maybe it's always in the tip of your tongue and, and we just don't get it but like it's just it's i was gonna say bad optics bad audio <laughs> oh i just remembered i did have i had a celebrity encounter that I think is notable. The first celebrity I ever saw was they brought the dog from As Good As It Gets. His name was Verdell. And they opened a PetSmart in my hometown. And they, for their grand opening, they brought that dog in just for people to look at. <laughs> and, um, he was he a dick a or diva. was he cool? He was such a diva. He, <laughs> he barked and I could tell he meant, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Isn't that the dog yep. food brand? <laughs> mm -hmm. That's great. Dude, I was going to ask you if you remember the first celebrity encounter you had. I don't know if you want to stick with the dog or is there someone <laughs> else that's popping in your mind here? The dog is the big one. Because nothing I, else can compare really after that unless you yeah. met like Airbud or something or Beethoven. Mm -hmm. You know, when I first moved to New York, like very first week, I was walking to a temp job and I saw Spike Lee on the street and I was so mad at myself that I don't know how much you know about Knicks basketball and the Pacers, but there's a famous moment between Reggie Miller and Spike Lee. I'm a New York sports fan my whole life, dude. Okay. Born and raised. So you're about to go here. Uh, yep, for those yep, of yep. you listening so, and not watching the clip, I'm, I'm doing the choke signal around my neck right now. I have Reggie Miller on the back of my phone. I love Reggie Miller. Oh, you do. Look at that. I have a shirt that uh, is Reggie Miller doing the choke. The to, chokes. To yes, him, for those who don't know, big rivalry in the 90s. Reggie yep. Miller just destroyed the Knicks in a variety of ways. And Spike Lee yelling at him and uh, Reggie Miller doing the choke signal to... He does to, it because uh, the Knicks shooting guard who was guarding Reggie Miller just had a horrible game. Uh, I think it was Starks, right? Starks, yeah. Yeah. Reggie Miller's talking shit to him. He chokes. And so Reggie Miller looks at Spike Lee and does the choke thing. And then, according to Spike Lee, he grabbed his nuts and Spike Lee's like, my wife was sitting next to me. How dare he do that? It's very funny in the yes. Reggie Miller uh, winning time documentary. But I was so mad that I didn't go, hey, Spike, and then just do the joke at him. So you're willing to do that. See, I like that because as a Yankee fan, we've had this debate. Like if you ran into like Pedro Martinez or David Ortiz, like one of the Red Sox rivals, you know, what would you do? And 
some of my friends have been like, oh, you know, you'd buy him a drink or whatever. I'm like, dude, like I would not. Like, I'm not saying I'd heckle him, but like I would totally be a dick to them. I wouldn't cross the line just because, oh, at the end of the day, he's just a great ball player. Like, screw that. Rivalries mean yeah, something it's more to me, fun. You know? And also the Reggie Miller Spike Lee thing, it's like it's funny. And I like like I love a lot of Spike Lee's work. So it's right. not like I hate Spike Lee. I just think it's funny. The funny thing about that too is you come to New York, you see Spike Lee. So you're probably like, like, that's such a New York thing mm-hmm. person to see. It'd be like going to Indiana and just seeing like Larry Bird and yeah. being like, well, I guess you just always see Larry Bird in Indiana. And I definitely had that. I was like a weekend. I've already saw Spike Lee. I'm probably going to be seeing celebrities left and right. And then uh, not the case. Before we start kind of wrapping up here, I always ask people, you said you're married or have a girlfriend. What was the... I'm, I'm engaged. You're engaged. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. But I have to ask you this. Who was your celebrity crush growing up? I This is going to sound crazy, but I swear it's true. I was really into Molly Shannon when I was a kid. Really? SNL. I think it was because she was so funny. And then, I mean, you know, like every teenage boy my age, I was into Britney Spears. Right, like, yep, sure. Yeah. Those are the two that we hear the most on the show. Britney Spears and Molly <laughs> Shannon. <I laughs> that, makes sense. that makes but, sense. But, you know, I think I've discovered something here, Tom, that maybe you don't even know. I'm playing psychologist here a little bit. I think it's a school girl fetish because <laughs> hit me one more time uh-huh. maybe one more time is school girl and molly shannon was the school yeah. girl so maybe that's, that's where it's at that could be it that could be it who do you see today that you're just like wow she's just gorgeous it's so funny my fiance makes fun of me about uh allison brie all the time uh, but that probably is that's i think that's a good answer wait why am i having why am i having trouble picturing allison brie she's from Mad Men, and uh what else uh she didn't glow that's her. Okay. All right. I have a thing for her too now. Do you have you ever met anybody in real life, uh, a celebrity that was just absolutely gorgeous? And you were like, oh my God. That Sarah Silverman, actually. Yeah. Like it's crazy. She's like getting up there in age, but she's still like uh, very, she's still very pretty. No, Sarah Silverman. <laughs> my fiance is pissed that I said I was free, but she doesn't realize I just did that to piss her off. <laughs> <laughs> is she listening right now? Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny, dude. Do you think it's the worst time in the world to be a comedian right now? No, I don't. I mean, it's definitely tough, but I mean, I think this past, during this past year, it was now it's we're coming out of it a little bit. I think the 80s boom, like coming out of that seemed like the worst time to me where it's like comedy clubs are just closing left and right. Mm. People who had careers no longer do. And while people weren't getting canceled for material or whatever, they also, a lot of comics fucking sucked. So being a comic is not easy now, but there's so many avenues you can make a living that you couldn't do before. There wasn't podcasting to make a living on. It was either you got a sitcom or you were touring 50 weeks a year or you were a radio host or something. You know, there was so few ways to do it if you weren't acting and whatever and now people are making so much more money just doing stand-up and posting videos online and doing podcasts but But i mean you you know you can't make fun of gender you can't make fun of race you can't make fun of sexuality you can't make fun of someone for being overweight or for being ugly you can't i mean or is that just me because i'm a a white male is that different i would push back on that though because you can do all that the pushback you get is somebody being mad at you. Right. And if that's enough for you to say, I can't do it. Right. What are we doing? People get mad at jokes. I do all the time. It doesn't matter. I'm still well, club, I mean, comedy clubs. clubs will get called up and be like, you know, people protesting the club if they have this comedian on and but stuff I mean, like that. But even that it's like, if you look at like 
comedy seller lineups, the stand, all those comics are still working. So I just don't really agree that it's like as bad as people make it out to be. And I think it's really comics are just so sensitive that they Mm. think somebody going, Hey, I didn't like that means they can't do it because it's really like, yeah, that person's offended. And now you're offended that they're offended. And it becomes this game of ping pong. That's like, yeah, that's the risk we take. Somebody might get offended, but the vast majority of people don't think like that. They're not right. like, oh, that person made a joke about gender and now I'm, I hate them forever. It's like, that's such a small percentage of people. The thing I don't like about comedy right now is like people are so divided one way or the other, where mm. if I go on the road, I did uh, comics roadhouse at Mohegan Sun. I did a joke where I said I voted for Biden and all of the jokes that I have about Biden are me making fun of Joe Biden. Some people in the crowd got furious because you're at a casino and there's a lot of Trump people there. Right. And I made sure to do it like 30 minutes into my set because I was like, I just want to test something because I was I only preface with this because it's relevant to the second part of the story. But I was killing. I was having mm-hmm. a hot set. Do I do the Biden joke? This guy, this woman's yelling at me. Why did you vote for Joe Biden? What the hell? All this shit. And I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Like, who cares? Right. I'm not pressing you. I'm not talking about politics. All I'm doing is making fun of the president. Right. Which is a fun thing to do. Sure. And I finished that joke and it all it's to lead me into another joke that's unrelated. And I go into the next joke and the next joke I notice they've pulled back a little yep, bit. Yep. And so I called him out and I was like, you guys are such little bitches. I was like, <laughs> I didn't say fuck you for voting for your guy. All I said was that I voted for Joe Biden. And now you're going, oh, I don't like the comedian anymore. He voted for a guy I don't like. And it's like, you were talking about cancel culture all day. Sure. And you're the one doing it. You're little bitches. So you think it's about the perception that the comedian, how the comedian deals with the people that are going to whine nowadays more than it actually, like if someone were to come out and have anachronistic views, if someone was like a chauvinist or someone was, you know, saying things like that, but it was all funny, but that was their kind of shtick. You don't think they'd have any more trouble getting booked in clubs or their career Not would clubs. actually be affected? I don't know if they would be able to get like starring in a film or something right. like that, but a lot of comics aren't getting that anyway. But right. yeah, I know comics who have said horrible things who are stars on TV shows and stuff. Right, right, right. So it's like, yeah, there was a minute where it's like, I mean, I think people are losing certain jobs for like if you work for disney Hmm. and you say something about the you know the jews yeah you're probably gonna lose your job but and it's like think about who you're working for you know yeah that's just like any other job but comedy is beautiful because you're not working for anybody most of the time you're a rogue you're just on the road and yeah you work for individual clubs but guess what if you're selling tickets Hmm. you're in the fucking club Louis was able to do any club he wanted this year. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So you think there's a pretty good buy? You think the clubs have the comics back for the most part? I think some clubs have the comics back. The clubs have their pocketbook in okay. mind. And so if you sell tickets, they will have you. They gotcha. have TikTok stars. I don't think there's as much of this level of like integrity and like loyalty as we want to think. I think some clubs do. A lot of the New York comedy clubs are very loyal to their comics. and like. Yep. But I think for the most part, I mean, Jeremy Piven, he's touring. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. all these people who are supposedly canceled, that's all they're doing is doing comedy clubs and headlining and they can work anywhere they want. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I just don't, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think it's as bad as people want to say it is. is I've seen Andrew Schultz say, the craziest shit I've ever heard. And the man has right. a Netflix TV show. You know, we talked about Bill Burr. I remember Burr was on Conan and he was talking about how he can't get canceled. He's like, what are they? I'm a comedian. You have a TV show. That's the genius of what I do. He goes, what are they going to tell me? I can't do stand up at a strip mall at three in the morning. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Last That's question funny. here. Dinner party, 
three celebrities who's coming to Tom Takar's fantasy dinner party. I have to get uh, Will Ferrell in there. He's just like, he's a celebrity that if I met him, I think I would like, I'd lose it. I think I'd want Charles Barkley in there because he's just so funny. He's very funny. And he, we could talk about basketball. And sure. even though I was never like a, a fan of his teams. And then, oh, number three. That's Allison Bree. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Who would the third be? Uh, maybe Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Let's throw Chappelle in there. That's, a, that's an entertaining dinner party. No, Reggie. Have you met Reggie? That's the thing is I would have Reggie in there. And the reason I picked Barkley is that Barkley is funnier than Reggie. Right. And so like meeting somebody, you might go. Laugh. Right. I would, I would feel bad if I had Reggie Miller there and he's not making Will Ferrell laugh. And so I like how you're really lending credibility to this premise of like what would actually make for a good dinner party. Yeah, I don't want to so put three random people together that <laughs> have a good time. You know, I'm a good host. That's great, Tom. Uh, anything you want to plug, man? What do you got? I know you got the pod going on. Anything else coming up? Yeah. So I don't know if this will come out in time, but uh, I'll be at the DC Improv May 20th to the 22nd. And I'll be in uh, Houston at this uh, show called The Riot uh, Houston. That is June 19th. And I'm in Lafayette, Louisiana, doing a show June 18th. So I should have said that in the opposite order, but it's yeah, okay. Uh, They'll figure Laf it out. Lafayette, June 18th and uh, Houston, Texas, June 19th. So if you live in those cities, I'd love to see you. Um, and then, yeah, listen to our podcast, uh, Stand By Your Band. It's me and uh, Tommy McNamara. We have comics defending music that people make fun of. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. It's at Tom Takar, T-H-A-K-K-A-R. And uh, I think that's it. All right, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you live in New York, I'm at the Comedy Cellar a lot. Stand Up New York and New York Comedy Club. So Awesome, dude. Well, we're really happy that uh, that stand-up's coming back and uh, excited to see you. I'll check out one of your one of your sets one of these days, I'm sure, when I get my COVID paranoia down to a normal level. Yeah, and uh, maybe hopefully no plexiglass and I can actually get the full experience of Tom <laughs> Takar. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Tom, it's been great, man. I appreciate your time and uh, congrats on all your success and good luck with all your stuff. Okay, buddy. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. That was Tom Takar, a really funny guy. If you ever have a chance to check out Tom uh, live, I recommend that you do that. An interesting conversation that we had about cancel culture, and he brings up a lot of really good points. And I think there's a distinction between comedy clubs and on screen, right? In a comedy club, yes, pretty much anybody who has said anything, as long as you're putting asses in the seats, you can perform at comedy clubs. That's what Bill Burr was saying. Whereas somebody like a Conan, right, someone who's on TV where there are sponsors and there are companies who are hitching themselves to you and your message, then if your message isn't in line with what they want their message to be, they can cut ties with you. So that's where it gets tricky. And I think that's where cancel culture is very real. We do see people all the time losing you know, jobs on sitcoms or getting kicked off of series or movies or hosting award shows or getting booted as the spokesperson for a certain product and their commercials because of a tweet or a comment that they've made at any time in their entire life that people decided to cling to. You know, it's interesting too. It's so fickle. Cancel culture is so fickle because it doesn't indicate who's really the worst people, the ones that are getting canceled. It's just who happens to complain about what, when, right? I mean, like there is a spokesperson for a very popular brand right now. There are commercials running right now where the spokesperson for a brand has in their life been convicted of a pretty heinous crime. 
And no one seems to care that this person is the face of a company right now. But if tomorrow someone wakes up and tweets about it, and then all of a sudden it got picked up by a celebrity or a news outlet, then it becomes real. Then the company cuts ties. The person didn't change. Their decisions didn't change. All that changed was that someone decided to speak up about it, you know? So the whole thing is all very, very strange. It's very fickle. And I do have to say, though, and and Tom would know this probably better than I, but I do think cancel culture or whatever you want to, you know, that general idea, I do think it has infiltrated comedy clubs a bit. I do think crowds nowadays are more reluctant to just let themselves laugh. And maybe, you know, if you say a joke that has to do with gender or race or some, you know, political thing, I think people might be a little bit more programmed now to take a half a second and think to themselves, wait a minute, can I laugh at that? If I laugh at that, what is a person next to me going to think about me? Am I allowed to agree with this opinion or is that going to be, you know, make me uh, a thisist or a thatist? And again, I could be wrong, but I feel like it has at least slipped into our subconscious. Whereas before it just mattered that funny was funny. Now it's about, well, what agenda are you pushing? And, and Tom even alluded to that when it came to politics, right? And and the other thing is, I just know from personal experience, you know, I've performed standup and you know, my whole set was never very controversial at all. And I used to do this one joke that really, really killed every time. It was my best joke. And a friend of a friend had a show and my friend was going to get me on that show. And then my friend said, you know, that joke you tell in the middle, it's a great joke that my friend actually said, it's a perfect joke, but we're just not sure that it pushes the same ideas that we think should be being put out there in the world right now. And so for that reason, we're not going to have you on the show. And everyone has the right to say who's on their show, who's not. I get that. I'm not saying, you know, obviously, if you're hosting a show, you can pick and choose who's on your show. But it wasn't that it wasn't funny. It wasn't that it wasn't going to make people laugh. They had a problem with the joke I was telling because they didn't think that it pushed the social message that they thought should be being pushed right now. And so that, you know, is an example, I think, of something where people probably didn't used to have to deal with that as much. You know, a lot of comedians over the past couple of years have talked about that, have said it is time for comedians to be socially responsible, to only push jokes that promote such and such of you know an agenda. And the question then becomes, well, then who's to judge what the agenda is? Like, who's to say what joke is okay to say and what joke is not okay to say? There's no, you know, these things aren't written in stone somewhere. And a lot of comedians pushed back against that and said, no, a comedian's job is to be funny. And if the crowd thinks it's funny, then that's all that matters. And if they don't, then they don't. But don't be telling comedians you can't say this, this or that because it's not politically correct. So, you know, it's it's a very big topic. And I think Tom brought up a lot of really good points. Thanks so much, Tom, for stopping by. Now it's time for Tales from the Fans. As you know, at the end of each show, I read stories submitted by you guys on social media and our website about your encounters with celebrities. Now, today's story comes to us from Jetta Rayson, who hit us up on Instagram. And actually, Jetta has a story about a friend of ours here at the show, Mr. James Murray. Jetta says, I was watching a Practical Jokers dinner party which uh, was the show that Impractical Jokers did during the COVID pandemic when they couldn't be interacting with people outside. So the four of them would get together for a Skype dinner party. They would have guests, they would tell funny stories, and they put it on True TV. Really good show. Jetta says, I was watching that on TV when I was watching Murr's Instagram live on my phone, because for those of you who don't know, you should really follow James Murray, um, by the way, on Instagram and, and social media, because while Impractical Jokers or any of the Impractical Joker TV shows are airing, Murr will be live during his commercial breaks. He calls up fans to discuss things with them 
on Instagram and you actually, everybody watching can see that person and him interact on Instagram. It's really cool. You could just be sitting in your living room and all of a sudden Murr is calling you. So Jetta was watching Impractical Joker's dinner party. She was watching Murr's live Instagram on her phone. And she says, I was hoping but not expecting for Murr to randomly choose me. Well, I guess Murr randomly chose her because she goes on to say, I was freaking out and I had forgotten that I had a plate full of food on my lap. So I quickly stood up and it fell upside down on the floor. Toward the end of the conversation, I couldn't even hear Murr because my little brother was making so much noise noise in the background. I was shaking the entire time. And I got to tell you guys, uh, Jetta sent the uh, video uh, to us on our Instagram page at Talk of Fame. And uh, it's really fun just to see her brother's going crazy. She drops the plate of food. She's all excited. She's talking to Murr. And, you know, that's the cool thing about social media, right? I think there's a lot of bad things about social media that I'll talk about all the time. A lot of things were, you know, a lot of aspects of social media that are not so great. But one of the cool ones is, you know, think about it. You could be sitting there on your couch eating some popcorn, watching TV, and all of a sudden, boom, on your phone, you're face to face with one of your heroes having a conversation with them while all these people are watching. And it's, you know, it's recorded forever. You could take a, a screenshot of it. So thanks again to Jetta for submitting that really cool story. Remember, we want to hear from you guys. Tell us your celebrity encounters at talkoffamepodcast.com or hit me up on social media, either at Talk of Fame or at Will Presti, and your story could be featured on our next show. As always, you can check out Talk of Fame wherever you get your podcasts and at talkoffamepodcast.com. And I want to thank you guys. You've been so great so far, reaching out, interacting with us. We're really creating a really cool family feel here. We're so glad that you're enjoying listening to and participating in the show as much as we're enjoying doing the show. Uh, We have so many exciting people that are going to be coming in, telling their incredible celebrity encounters. You're not going to want to miss it. So I hope to see you guys again next week, right here on Talk of Fame, where stardom and fandom collide. 